from the C-suite side of things, what does making sales social mean to you, Aaron? For me, it's all about trust. And trust comes, in particular, one of my shortcuts for a definition of authenticity is exposing who you are when people least expect it. And so, you know, to me, authenticity always wins. And, and selling social in an authentic way, you know, it wins whether you're on social, it wins when you're on, no matter what the modality, the phone, in a meeting. It's about, um, it's being unexpected. It's about connecting with people, stopping the scroll, having them trust you because you're not doing the same thing as everybody else. Welcome to the Making Sales Social Podcast. Featuring the top voices in sales and marketing. Join hosts Bryn Tillman and Bill McCormick as they discuss the best tips and strategies they are teaching their clients so you can leverage them for your own virtual and social selling. Here are your hosts Bryn Tillman and Bill McCormick. Hey, welcome to Making Sales Social. I'm Bill McCormick. I'm Bryn Tillman. And normally I'd say to Bryn, hey, who's joining us today? But I get to introduce our guest today, uh, my new good friend, Aaron Hazacostas. How did I do? Nailed it. I knew if Larry Levine could, could pronounce your name, I could pronounce your name. So Aaron is a former CEO. Also, she is a podcast host, a TEDx speaker, and the author of my new favorite book, You Do Youish which is just all about authenticity. And that's what we're going to talk about today is about being authentic in sales. So Aaron, welcome to the show. If you could just tell our audience just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, it's great to be here. I think you nailed it. But um, as you mentioned, I'm a former corporate person, a corporate refugee. And um, over the years in my corporate career, I sort of bobbed and weaved and eventually found myself in the CEO position, which that just sounded really annoying. Like, oh, it just happened to me. Um, <laughs> obviously, a long story behind it. We don't, we don't have time for all the backstory. But, you know, the important uh, lesson is that I said yes to the job and took on a company that was really struggling. We had about a thousand employees, nine figure revenue. And um, in three years, we went from flat earnings to uh, tripling them and employee engagement skyrocketed. And did I know what I was doing? No, just like I'm on this podcast talking about sales. I don't know a freaking thing about sales. Um, but I am an expert in connection and trust all through my secret weapon, which is authenticity. And so after I had, you know, had that great career run, um, the normal path would have been to, to entertain other new challenges, new executive jobs my reputation was kind of at an all-time high so this this isn't your typical story where like i got sick or i got laid off or i just had this itch i just started to have a fear a bigger fear of not knowing what it would be like to go venture and do something different uh, than i did of of leaving my my role and so for the last two years um and actually when i left I'm, I cannot just tell things. I have to tell stories. It's like inherently. it's a great story. And by the way, everything you did is sales, right? So you may like, I don't know anything about sales. Yeah. But it's all sales. Trust is sales. Building those relationships is sales. So totally right, Ren. That's totally right. So when I decided to do this crazy thing, which was retire at the age of 44 um, from the corporate world, all of a sudden, like 70% of the messages I got, conversations I had, they kept saying, 
you're going to miss your authentic leadership. And was I surprised they called me authentic? No, I mean, that would be a total lie. Like, okay, that made sense. But I had never, I'd never been pinned with that badge. It wasn't a word I had been using. And I also had always had these moments where I thought, why are things seem to be a little bit easier for me? And they weren't easy, don't get me wrong. But what I mean by that is, as I look to my left and my right, my colleagues, especially as I got into an executive position, I saw so much sacrifice. I saw what we expect you have to do to get those big jobs, right? So it was on a plane all the time, moving their family for different roles to different cities. It was canceling vacations because, you know, stuff had gone sideways. And it was almost like every once in a while, I would feel like, I wonder when they're going to, the game is going to be up, right? Like when, when are people going to figure out? Like, But I also knew, as you know, I was having success and I was getting results, et cetera. And so when people said, we're going to miss your authentic leadership, it was that moment. It sounds so silly, but I was like, wait, was was that what it was? Was that the thing? Was I actually playing a different game? And of course, now mm-hmm. I've been out for a couple of years. I've done a, you know so much reflection. And I could tell you where the root is and all of these things. But and so that's when I decided because I didn't know what I wanted to do. That you know that was sort of my success juxtaposed with what broke my heart, which was you know this lack of inauthenticity, this miserable, there, you know, how many friends, colleagues in the corporate world are so burnt out and so let down and, um, you know, just frustrated. And, and I thought it doesn't have to be that way. So I'm going to make it my mission to go out and not only help people, but I really am on a mission and a movement to transform the workplace for anyone that wants to get on board. And, and we love that. And, and we are about being authentic in, in, the, in the social world. And so the, the first question we always ask every guest is what does making sales social mean to you? And from your point of view, and, and the reason some of the listeners are probably saying, well, wait, if she doesn't know anything about sales, what's she doing on this show? Because Aaron comes from the C-suite side of things. So from the C-suite side of things, what does making sales social mean to you, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, from you know, putting on that old hacks. I live in both worlds, right? So now I'm on the on the side of you know trying to you know sell my services, et cetera. But you know, for me, it's all about trust, and trust comes in particular. One of my shortcuts for a definition of authenticity is exposing who you are when people least expect it, mm-hmm. and. You know, and so let me give you an example as it relates to, to social. When you post on Instagram, what do people expect? They, you know, they kind of expect it's sassy, it's vulnerable, it's funny, it's authentic-ish. When people post on LinkedIn, much like in the corporate world, everybody follows these like unwritten rules and they expect it to be normal, right? They expect it to be, you know, I'm so honored that my company is doing X, Y, Z. You know how fast I scroll past those? I'm sorry, especially the ones between you and me, from some of people I know that are miserable at their companies. And then I see, I'm so proud of the, you know, XYZ initiative. And I'm like, it doesn't. So when I see that, right, I'm sort of like, what else are you faking? When you Mm. call me, when you try to sell me something, but when you expose something, or you talk about, or you make a joke and use humility and all the things I talk about, make up authenticity, right away, I'm like, well, if you just told me you you suck at doing numbers. And I didn't need to know that. Like the chances that you're hiding something from me as we go along our journey to work together are really, really low. And so, you know, to me, authenticity always wins and and selling social in an authentic way, you know, it wins whether you're on social, it wins when you're on, no matter what the modality, the phone, 
in a meeting in a book. I was just asked yesterday, like, why do you think, you know, people like your book? And I gave three reasons. But the third one, I was like, because I wrote it authentically. Authenticity mm-hmm. always wins. So yeah, that's what I would say. I'd say it's about, um, it's being unexpected. It's about connecting with people, stopping the scroll, having them trust you because you're not doing the same thing as everybody else. Yeah, and and your book is very authentic. I can't tell you how many times I stopped reading it and went into my wife and said, said Sue, listen, listen to this and read it, read a sentence and we cracked up and then I went, I went back reading and she's reading it, reading it now. So we we really that's what I appreciate. I I appreciate a real person. Go ahead, Brent. Yeah. So what is you ish? Ah, what a great question. Thanks for the softball. So first of all, nobody likes that name except for me. Uh, but it's grown on people. I love so it. Much, oh, it's so much yeah, better. No, and I say nobody. It was like my book coach, and I, she's amazing. But um, so you so part of when people hear authenticity, brand, um, they typically think a couple of shortcuts. They think oh, it's be yourself or at work, it's bring your whole self to work. Um, the other mis, uh, you know, understanding of what authenticity is, oh, authenticity equals transparency. And the truth is that authenticity, both by definition, so the root word of authenticity is, it, the Greek word is authentikos. And authentikos means to be genuine, but it also means to be original and authoritative. And so, and, and I had known that not just because of my badge, but also, you know, people I look at like Michelle Obama, Jacinda Ardern, you know, others that just like immediately scream authenticity. I knew there was a juxtaposition. I knew there was, and, and you know, I knew I didn't just walk into work like I was walking to Joe's pool party, right? Like I, I was very genuine. I also had an edge to me and ability to push back. And so the ish is really meant to be like, you do you, but ish, because at the end of the day, authenticity isn't about you. It's actually about the connections you create, which of course in turn is wonderful. and brings it back to you. And so the issue is that it's also, you know, one of my principles is the unexpected. And so I wanted something that a little bit was like, hmm, what the heck does she mean? I might need to open this thing. And I love that. You know, it's funny. There are, you show up differently on different platforms. Like I share on Facebook, my grandbaby every day, all day long. I would never do that on LinkedIn, but it doesn't mean I'm not authentic on LinkedIn. It's just, and the thought, it's a different side of me. So my interpretation of you-ish was what is needed for the audience. It doesn't, doesn't mean everything. Yeah. Right. Adapt and connect. And I love that. The the other thing is I've heard so many people say, well, I thought you meant this about ish and like, what better thing to do than, you know, that's one of the things I've learned in this book writing, right? There were things every once in a while I was like, oh, I should have said this. I should have put in, in some of the beauty is for allowing you to fill in and color in the lines and, and, you know, fill in the puzzle. So I love that you're like, this is what it meant to me. I've had, you know, other people tell me, oh, you know, I was thinking ish was this, this is how I look at it. And you're totally on. When I say, you know, I'm not saying just simply, you know, post the same stuff that you do on Facebook, on LinkedIn, right? You said it exactly right, Brent. Now, if there is a, 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 a your grandbabies that do something that is related to work and you want to use it as a metaphor, like bring it over, but do it intentionally because it's, you know, it's a platform where people want to connect, but that doesn't, um, it also doesn't mean you have to be a robot. Mm-hmm. So for those that are listening, you need to rewind this back and and write this down, what Erin just said earlier, before we got talking about the audience, she said, authenticity isn't about you, 
It's about the connections you made. That, that's the mic drop moment for me. Uh, but the audience piece is important, especially for those that are in sales to make sure that we get it right. You tell a story at the end of the book about an artist who they put on stage to open for the Rolling Stones who just got bombed, just right? Because why? The audience wasn't right. But when that artist found the right audience, became a superstar. I've got it. Yep. Right? So, um, and I'm not going to tell you all what artist it is. You have to go about the book. I'm, yeah. Okay. You're going to pass. I'll tell you in the green room when we're done. But, but so, so it's important. So, talk to me a little bit. Um, talk to us about about how salespeople can be authentic when the audience is the C-suite. When they're calling into the C-suite, how can they be more authentic? Yeah. I mean, I see. There's a couple things. So, first, I I tell people I have very little empathy for people that say I can't be it because I'm my boss, my customer, whatever isn't authentic. Like I can't tell you what I was surrounded with and authenticity inspires everyone. At the same time, it's a dial. And that's why one of my six principles of strategic authenticity is adapt, right? And it's about plugging in. I think there's a couple universal principles that I really hit on that that work with CC. One is storytelling. You know, there are so many misconceptions about storytelling when you get an audience, you know, oh, it'll take up too much time. People think I'm weird. Um, the reality, much like that other statement, this when you tell a story, you feel like it's so it's selfish almost, right? Indulgent, especially if you're the one of the characters in the story, since you are but the reality is what happens when people tell stories is we transport ourselves in and out of that story and we relate to it. So, you know, Bill, I told a story on a forum you were on and, it, you know, it was about me back in college and all these. And, and I know that as I'm telling that story, people are thinking, oh, I remember my library in college. And I remember when my roommate and when I found my profession, et cetera. And so um, storytelling is one of the best ways, you know, to, to capture their attention. Stories are remembered 22 times more than that and, and, and bullets, right? Um, so I would say, the more you can weave in storytelling, everything from, you know, your intro, which we did an exercise, I do an exercise called your intriguing intro to how you talk about your products. Do not freaking talk in bullets. Talk about experiences, your own. I said, if I were in sales, I would spend 95% of my time dumpster diving into, uh, you know, customer service calls, you know, stories of people that had great experiences. And I would tell them, brought out of their stories. Um, so one is storytelling. I think the other key is with CC is asking questions, you know, and not normal questions. Like when you're preparing for your meeting, I actually tell people spend more time thinking about the thoughtful questions you want to ask than like preparing for the stuff you want to say. Because most of that stuff, unless you're in the And powerful questions are, they sound sort of like this. Let me give you a non-powerful and powerful non-powerful bit would be, hey, you know, Bren, what are your company's goals for this year, right? And now you're like, hey, Bren, what is one thing, if you could accomplish it this year, you would say you had a major, right? In, in a lot of powerful questions, one of the biggest hacks is adding numbers into things, adding fill in this blank. I asked somebody the other day, a president of a company, if I pulled your leaders and asked them, what's the one thing you need that you don't have, what would it be? And when you ask questions like that, you can just see them think and be happy to be able to reflect. So many C-suite executives don't have the time in the day to reflect. So asking those powerful questions, you really, you know, start building those muscles. It would be the other thing I would suggest. It's also fun. Yeah. Right? Like, it's so much more fun to answer that question 
then what are your goals? I know my goals. I want to hit certain numbers. I know that. But if I go like, what is my one gap? What is that one thing? Like, I'm going to really think, because I've got to prioritize now in my head. And it's fun because it's something I haven't thought about yet. That's right. I mean, most C-suite executives, especially bigger and bigger they become, you know how many hours they spent in meetings of propaganda, you know, updates, you know, everything's green, them have to find the red. They, and, and here they are the most intellectual people at your company. And so when you can stimulate them and ask questions, even vulnerable ones, like, you know, I remember our uh, CEO of our parent company going into a meeting, it was supposed to report out, everybody was in there doing their propaganda. And I had prepared some questions, like one of them was, strategically we were trying to make a decision and I asked him what his thoughts were most people want to go in and we've got it and here's what we're doing but they really want want to use their brains and once you can let them do that they they subconsciously or consciously just start to connect with you and and really speak for you and and for the salespeople that are listening the sales professionals I know what you're thinking this is harder because you and, and here's why we as salespeople we can't control those answers I know how to answer a question. I know how to respond, I guess, to, to the answer you give me when I say, you know, what are your goals? That's easy. I, I have in my sales process, I have a slide for that. Yeah. And oh. so I challenge, I challenge this, the sales professionals is start. It's just like a muscle. As Aaron said, you've got to start working this and be okay with silence and being, be okay with not knowing the answer and being able to answer in such a way of, wow, that, that's really impressive. Thanks so much. I, I, I think that that's really important. I also think it's okay not to have the solution. So, so many people go into a sales call with an agenda. This client is worth $15,000 sale. This client is 120. So when you lead in a relationship with what that client is worth to you, you are never a value to them. Right? Mm-hmm. And we say all the time, detach from what the client is worth to you and attach to what you're worth to the client. So you may, by asking these authentic questions, you may identify areas where they need help greater or different than your solution. And I think a real authentic salesperson will say, you know what, I've got a few people in my network that might be able to solve this once it's done, I'd love to come back in and continue this conversation. Totally agree. So, so let's just transform this over to social and, and, and talk to us a little bit about how, how can salespeople be more authentic on social? Well, you know, first of all, um, you know, LinkedIn obviously being the primary social, the magnetic, you know, so I'd offer up, check out my, my LinkedIn profile. It's not perfect. I'm not saying like, but if you go to Aaron Hepsicastis, it's, I would say I'm the only Erin Hatsikastis in the world. If you can spell it, you can find me. And I can't tell you how many people send me notes and stuff just simply because my profile is different. It's authentic. And it's not just simply that oh, I'm an entrepreneur. And so, I mean, it was, I'm also a board member of a venture capital back company. You know, I'm, I still dress up and have big girl meetings, right? I'm not just, you know, some speaker author. And, you know, for example, all of my position summaries, if you look in and drill down into all my positions are all short stories. None of them say any buzzword BS. I mean, I tell stories about when I became interim CEO and a conversation between me and my boss and my actuarial ones. I talk about how crappy I was at the actuarial exams, but how it became, you know, they're, they're essentially, when I talk to people and coach people on, on the LinkedIn part of things, I said, write 
LinkedIn as if you're talking to a former college roommate that's in the same industry as you. So you're out talking kind of shop and you've had a half a glass of wine. That's really fun. You know, the other things we I just want to throw in beyond your profile, and I think that's awesome. And we always talk about if you can actually provide value yep. in your profile. But there are other areas that like there's a uh, an epidemic on LinkedIn, which is the connect and pitch, which is a bait and switch. That means that you connected with them solely for the purpose to sell them. Yeah. There's that. I mean, although you can say I authentically wanted to sell them, that was not in their best interest. It was, you know, self-serving. So I think some there's some authenticity in bringing real value to you. And that's how we actually lead to our solution instead of leading with our solution is bring like high level of value to your connection that doesn't rely on them having a conversation with you to, you know, to get the value out of that, right? Like like that's really important. The other thing I think is nurturing your connections in an authentic way without like uh, my goal is to do this except from a networking perspective. And, that, and that's just the one. Yeah, I go ahead. agree. Like one of the things I'm doing right now is, um, I've, you know, kind of taken the book, my principles, everything I've learned over the last couple of years. And I've, I've, I have a corporate program, a an authentic leadership and then a culture program. And I'm working with a couple of companies, but I still have a lot to figure out, right? What do people really need? How do I make it relevant? You know, what's most important, right? And so at first I had gone out to my network and was sort of trying to sell. And now I'm like, I'm just, I need feedback. I need more feedback. So also leverage it. Even if you're selling your company's products, maybe you have a new product, like you have a really good connection or I'd love to just get your feedback um, and, and then just get their feedback, right? Like ask, you know, prepare right. to ask them those powerful questions that will help you. And then, you know, obviously down the line, hopefully, you know, you can you build a relationship and you can sell them as well. That's great. This this is so good, and we could keep going on, but we can't. We run up to the to the end of our that time. Fast. So it did. It went really fast. So make sure you get a copy of You Do Youish. You can find out who that uh, artist is. I was talking about. You can find out about Aaron's um, uh, humans acronym and what that stands for, and you can find out how to be a better a hole. Um, so, well, we probably shouldn't leave that. I would explain. That. So, so Aaron, why don't you take us out just by telling everyone what a hole stands for and how they can stay in touch with you after this? Yeah, the a hole. I wanted to build a community or build a name, right? This is a movement, and we all want to be part of something. And so, I was like, what is that that binds us together? And nothing I do is normal. And so, after a lot of spitballing and playing and having fun, um, came up with a hole, which stands for authentic humans overhauling lousy energy and at the end of the day that's what we're trying to fight against this lousy boring stuffy energy and so yeah not only do i have you can be part of it but i do a fun little um personal a-hole manifesto which is like think mad lib turned into this power statement you get back on video for me i don't know i'm freaking nuts that's uh, fun. Really fun and i love it you can find the link in there as well and the best place to find me the hub is at b so just the letter b authenticink.com 
Uh, and then you can see all the links and everything from there. I'm mostly on social. I'm mostly on LinkedIn and Instagram, both uh, under Aaron. Thanks so much for being with us, Aaron. Thanks for those of you that listen to us every week. So as you go out and about in your week this week, don't forget to make your sales social. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening and join us again for more special guest instructors bringing you marketing, sales training, and social selling strategies that will set you apart. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episodes from the Making Sales Social podcast. Leave a review down below. Tell us what you think, what you learned, and what you want to hear from us next. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com, for more information.